Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the wild card weekend, the super wild card weekend of the NFL playoffs. We have got a six-game NFL slate this weekend, and we are here to break it down. Now, if you are used to our normal fantasy breakdowns, this one is definitely going to be a little bit more DFS-oriented um, if you were playing on DraftKings and FanDuel. If you are looking to play player props, then you can still get some pretty good information here from this one as well. Um, but, you know, there are no season-long fantasy leagues that are still going on in the playoffs, so there's no reason to talk about, you know, guys to start or sit for season-long fantasy leagues when we're in the playoffs. So, um, we're going to go ahead and break it down for the purposes of DFS here on the show. Like I said, if you are looking for player props, you are going to be able to get some good information that can help you out. And so um, that is going to be kind of the prison that we go through on this. And with it being a six-game slate, this one is going to be a little bit shorter than our usual breakdowns. Um, but we're going to kind of get into a little bit detail on strategy and lineup building as well. So um, definitely a little bit of a unique twist on our normal show. Um, but hopefully you guys that are playing DFS on DraftKings and FanDuel will enjoy it and hopefully can give you guys plenty of information that's going to help you guys win some money this week, whether it is on DFS or player props. Now, while you are here, go ahead and subscribe to the audio feed. That way you can be with us for the rest of NFL season, as well as the rest of golf and college basketball season, because PGA Tour golf is back. So we will be doing golf and college basketball content weekly on here, in addition to all of our NFL content throughout the playoffs. All right, that does it for the introduction. So let's go ahead and dive into our breakdown. We're going to go instead of game by game, instead of position by position, we are going to go day by day. And I'm going to talk about what my strategy is for the Saturday slate and then what my strategy is for the Sunday slate. So um, let's go ahead and dive into this Saturday slate. Now, this Saturday slate to me is going to be a tale of two game environments. You were, you've got two games that if you were to look at these teams on paper back in August, you would think that one game, the Miami-Kansas City game, would be vastly more high scoring than the other game, the Cleveland and Houston game. However, what we've ended up with is two quarterbacks in the Cleveland and Houston game that love to sling it around, and, and there's going to be some passing, and there's going to be some offensive fireworks. And then in the Kansas City-Miami game, which should have all the offensive fireworks, you have got a depleted Dolphins defense, a kind of not-so-healthy Dolphins offensive line, and oh, by the way, it's going to be negative 30-degree wind chill outside. And I don't know if you have ever played football in the cold or caught a football in the cold, but it is not easy. It is not fun. It is quite painful to catch football when it's very cold outside. So um, the move in that game is going to be to run the ball, take time off the clock, and just kind of kind of grind it out as opposed to, you know, be this high-scoring aerial offensive affair. So what I think the move is going to be on the Saturday-only slate is to stack up the Cleveland and Houston game. Now, there are going to be ways you can target that second game, but I definitely think the Cleveland and Houston game is going to be the more lucrative game environment. Now, fun fact for you. Did you know that every time the Houston Texans have made the playoffs in the history of their franchise, they have been the Saturday 430 wildcard playoff game? It's true. Look it up. 2011, 2012, 2015, 2016, 2018, and now 2023. Every single time. They have been the Saturday 4.30 game to start the playoffs. It's a wild, uncanny stat. For whatever reason, they love putting the Houston Texans in that spot. Anyway, in this game, I am expecting Joe Flacco to be the chalky quarterback on DraftKings for the Saturday slate. Am I expecting him to be the or one of the chalkier quarterbacks on the Saturday through Monday slate that has all six games? And the reason why is because you look at what he's done and look at the price tag next to him, and, and it just doesn't really make all that much sense. Like, for instance, Joe Flacco, the first time he played these Houston Texans in Week 16, put up 29.8 DraftKings points, which was his season high in a single game. 
But if you look at what he's done over the whole season, it's even more impressive. He averages more fantasy points per game than any other quarterback on this slate except for Josh Allen. So if Joe Flacco had been starting the whole season with the Cleveland Browns and you could extrapolate what he's done in his starts over the course of a whole season, he would be QB2 among quarterbacks on this slate, which is uncanny because he is priced behind like a lot of them. You know, he's priced behind Jared Goff, priced behind Matthew Stafford, priced behind CJ Stroud, like a lot of other good quarterbacks that are good options. He Price below them. So I think a lot of people are just going to say, oh, oh, I can get this guy who's been better for a cheaper price. Why wouldn't I just flick him? So I think a lot of people are going to play Joe Flacco. Now, one reason why I do like Flacco personally is the volume that he's been getting. The Browns have been letting Flacco sling it around a lot. He has had over 40 pass attempts in four of his five starts. And because of that volume and because this matchup against the Texans, I think he'll be a very popular play. Now, in terms of who to stack Joe Flacco with, well, here's where it gets even better. There are super obvious stacking partners. Um, So you've got basically Amari Cooper and David Njoku. And that's about it. And the even better news is the Texans play too high coverage at the fourth highest rate in the league this season. Um, And generally, here's here's the crazy part. Generally, David Njoku has actually beat out Amari Cooper in yards per route run against two high safeties. However, in week 16, it was totally flipped because Amari Cooper set the Browns franchise record for receiving yards in week 16. He had 15 targets and 54.5 fantasy points. Njoku in that game wasn't too shabby either. He had nine targets and 16.4 fantasy points, meaning the two of them combined for a staggering 71.9 fantasy points. So I don't think you can expect that out of them again, but I think that is the form for any stack is to go ahead and just play Cooper, play Njoku, and play him with Flacco and roll from there. Now, I am not going to go all in on Flacco because, like I said, I do think he's going to be the chalky quarterback. So I think that this is actually going to be a pretty good spot for C.J. Stroud. I think this is a sneaky good game environment. These are two of the four fastest teams in the playoffs in terms of neutral pace, meaning there's going to be a lot of plays in this game. So there's going to be a lot of opportunities. All Browns fans would like to point out about this game is that their secondary is finally getting healthy and they finally have a full-strength defense. But here's the thing. I don't think that necessarily matters because because of the amount of volume that C.J. Stroud is going to have going against that secondary. In week 16 against the Browns, C.J. Stroud did or C.J. Stroud did not start in that game. He did not play in that game. But Texans quarterbacks, the two of them that played, combined to throw the ball 49 times. Clearly, the Texans abandoned the run against the Browns, and they were looking to throw it every time, every opportunity they could against this Browns defense. And that's what I kind of expect them to do here in this one. Um, and the Browns, they run a lot of man coverage, and they run a lot of single high coverage in, in you know cover one and cover three. And C.J. Stroud ranks second in the league in yards per attempt against single high coverage. So this Browns defense schematically is kind of lucky they didn't have to see C.J. Stroud the first time they played. And what's even better is in terms of stacking partners, it's pretty obvious. Nico Collins ranks second in the league with 3.83 yards per route run against all single high coverages. So you've got Stroud who's been super effective against single high, Collins who's been super effective against single high, and the Browns run single high a lot. So I think this is a very obvious stack. And when you look at the numbers from what they've done when they're together, it may makes it even more obvious. In the last three games that C.J. Stroud has played with Nico Collins, Collins has had 9, 8, and 12 targets in that game. 
He's been over 100 air yards in all three of those games, and he's had 37 fantasy points in two of those three games, and the other one wasn't too bad. It was 15 fantasy points, which won't win you a GPP on a two-game slate, but it won't hurt you that badly either if you do play him. So Nico Collins is the number one stacking partner for me, and I think you can also play Dalton Schultz as well. This Texans receiving core is kind of banged up at the moment. We do not know if Robert Woods or Noah Brown is going to play. The good news is this is the very first game of the playoffs, so you are going to have that news available to you when lineups lock. So um, I would prioritize stacking with um, Collins and uh, Schultz, but if you do end up getting news that Brown or Woods is going to play, they could become an interesting stacking partner as well. Now, at the running back position for the Saturday slate, I think you kind of have to go with the running backs in the Kansas City-Miami game. You know, we talked about the weather, but also, like, what the two running backs in this game, what the two starting running backs in this game have done in their recent productions has been really, really good, and, and it can't go ignored. Isaiah Pacheco has not been healthy the entire year for the Chiefs, but in the last three games that he has finished, he's put up 32, 24, and 25 fantasy points in those three games. That is an average of about 28 fantasy points per game. That is um, staggering. So um, definitely like Pacheco in this spot. And the workload has been pretty consistent as well. He's had over 15 attempts in all three of those games. He's had four or more targets in all three of those games. And, and I think that running is definitely a way that you can beat this Dolphins defense. It's kind of what the Bills did, except they used Josh Allen a little bit as a runner as well. Devon A-Chain, or A-Chan, I guess I believe it is technically pronounced, for the Dolphins, has been really, really good when he has gotten to double-digit carries. And so Raheem Mostert is coming in this game banged up. And I think it stands to reason that even if Mostert is 100%, I think if the Dolphins were to run the ball more than they normally do, you would very easily see A-Chan get to double-digit carries. In fact, let's look at the games this year that A-Chan has had where he gets double-digit carries. This is These are his fantasy point totals. 13.1, Clearly, the 54.8 is a little bit of an outlier, but getting 25 fantasy points or more in four of five games where he's gotten double-digit carries is pretty staggering. So um, I definitely think he's going to get to that number, and I think that he's actually the perfect guy to run against this Kansas City defense. People love to hype up that the Kansas City run defense has been pretty good, but it's really been good on the inside, on the interior. Guys like Chris Jones that they have on the inside are really good at stuffing an inside zone play, but it's a lot different schematically to try to stuff in outside zone play, especially when you're playing in there at three techniques. So um, I definitely think that this is a really good spot for HM because a lot of his damage that he does are on those outside zone runs that Mike McDaniel has brought over from San Francisco. So I think schematically it's a good matchup. I think in terms of mathematically, you got to like what you see when he gets a big workload. So I think everything aligns up for HM for this Saturday night slate. Now to me, the pivot would be to play Jerome Ford. Because if everybody's playing Flacco at quarterback and everybody's playing the running backs in the second game, why not go ahead and try to gain leverage on everybody and play the running back of the team that everybody's playing the quarterback for? Um, and because, you know, Houston just gave up 188 rushing yards to Jonathan Taylor. So clearly they are not the best rushing defense. And, and I definitely think that this is a spot where you could get a lot of leverage on the field if Jerome Ford ends up scoring the, the Browns touchdowns. Now, another way to be different on this slate is to kind of play a bargain bin wide receiver. Um, like, you know, it's a two-game slate on Saturday. It's a six-game slate if you're playing the Sunday or the Saturday through Monday slate. If you're playing the two-game slate, I do think you're going to have to consider playing a bargain wide receiver to try to make yourself a little bit different and just hope that you get it right, hope that you pick the right one. 
And I think the right one to pick could end up being Miko Hardman of the Chiefs. So there is likely going to be no Kadarius Tony in this game. And, you know, the Chiefs receiving core has kind of came under fire all season long for just how ineffective they've been. Well, Miko Hardman hasn't been there all season long, um, but he did have a very productive week 18, of which it is worth noting was played mostly with the backups. But, um, you know, Miko Hardman has been with the Chiefs before. He's played in playoff games before, and he's a guy that they will get the ball to in different ways, like jet sweeps, like screens. You know, he doesn't have to be thrown the ball at an exorbitant distance. So um, I think he's an intriguing play for that reason. And, you know, if Kadarius Tony isn't playing, then that could mean a lot of snaps for Nicole Hardman. Um, and I definitely think that he would be the guy that I would be willing to um, make the dart throw with for, you know, like a lowly priced wide receiver. It's not a safe play by any stretch of the imagination, but um, he's definitely got a little bit of opportunity there. Now at the tight end position, what I think will actually be different is to play Travis Kelsey, which sounds weird because Travis Kelsey has been absolutely killer in the playoffs in his career. In fact, go look at his last five playoff games. 20.1, 20.8, 35.8, 25.5, 23.6. Sorry for the yawn there, y'all. It's it's a late night here on the East Coast, and my four-month-old daughter has not let me sleep a whole lot this week. So, um, yeah, Travis Kelsey, been an absolute demon in the playoffs, and nobody's going to be playing him. And in a game where you're probably not going to want to target the ball deep downfield, why not go with Travis Kelsey, who's going to get open in the short and intermediate parts of the field and could, you know, get you something like a 10 target for eight catches for 80 yards kind of game and get you 16 fantasy points easy. And then if he scores the touchdown, there's a bonus six. All right, so that does it for the Saturday slate. So let's take a quick breather, and then we're going to break down the Sunday slate. All right, so the Sunday slate is a little bit bigger than the Saturday slate. It's got three games total, and it's a little bit more homogenized in terms of the game environment. You do have the highest scoring team of the weekend projected, um, of course, to play um, with the Dallas Cowboys, and then you do have the um, highest scoring game projected um, with the Lions and Rams game taking place Sunday night. You also have the Bills-Steelers game, which is going to be played potentially in a blizzard, um, so that one would definitely be the game environment to avoid. I think if you were playing the Saturday Saturday through Monday slate with all six games, I think you could just put a big red X through that game and probably just not play anybody from that game. Maybe the Bills defense if you were interested, um, but I think that would be one game environment you could totally avoid. And then even on the Sunday only slate, I think you could avoid that one for the most part and still build a successful lineup just around the two games that are taking place later between the Packers and Cowboys and the Rams and Lions because there are so many good pieces from those two games. So let's go ahead and talk quarterbacks. So I think ignoring salary, I think that Dak Prescott, I would probably have is ranked as QB1 on the entire slate. He has been really good in the second half of the season, and the matchup against Green Bay is also pretty solid as well. In fact, Dak Prescott has scored 24 fantasy points in seven of the 10 games since Dallas's bye week. And with Dallas being the highest implied team of the week and Dallas also being at home this week where he has been much better, I think this is just a recipe for a big Dak Prescott game. Green Bay runs cover three at the highest rate of any team in the playoffs, and Dak is second in the league in efficiency against single high coverages, one of which is cover three. C.D. Lamb also has a 31% target share against cover three, so it is really easy to just go ahead and pair up Dak Prescott and C.D. Lamb. We've talked about all season long how when teams play cover three, 
it tends to funnel targets to the wide receiver one because they're generally not pressed off the line. And it's generally more of a passive coverage where you're trying to, um, you know, encourage shorter passes and then tackle as opposed to, you know, more aggressive and encouraging teams to throw over the top. So um, it definitely shapes up well to target Dallas's wide receiver one and CD Lamb. Um, Brandon Cooks also has a 16% target share against cover three on the season. Jake Ferguson would be the guy that I would kind of avoid though, because over the course of the season, he only has a 9% target share against cover three. So, um, you know, in the covers that Green Bay plays the most, you were looking at a spot where it's a lot of CD and a lot of Brandon Cooks. Now, to me, when salary and ownership are taken into account, Matthew Stafford becomes my favorite quarterback play of the weekend and definitely my favorite quarterback play of the Sunday slate. So believe it or not, so this is like the ultimate narrative play too because you got Matthew Stafford coming back to Detroit, right, where he spent most of his career where he was a great player for the Detroit Lions, should be in the Lions ring of honor, retired jerseys, whatever they do over there in Detroit, he, he will be getting that when, when he retires. And now you've got him coming back for a playoff game. Believe it or not, this is Matthew Stafford's first playoff game in Detroit. Every time that he reached the playoffs when he was in Detroit, um, he played on the road. So he never had a home playoff game in Detroit. This is his first game in that building in the playoffs, which is crazy to think about. But Matthew Stafford, his production over the second half of the season, you cannot ignore it. He's had over 17 fantasy points in his last six starts. And Detroit's lack of defense at the quarterback position cannot be ignored either. Detroit currently ranks 30th on the season at defending quarterbacks, and four of the last five quarterbacks to play the Lions scored 20 or more fantasy points. In fact, you look at the whole course of the season, and 12 of 17 quarterbacks who played the Lions this year scored 20 fantasy points against them. Detroit allows the league's highest average depth of target at 9.5. So in other words, when teams are playing Detroit, they are looking to throw deep against them. And it makes sense because what has happened with this Detroit defense, we've talked about all season long how Detroit is kind of a defense that they're not supremely talented, but they do things well like tackle. And so they're kind of a defense that tries to has tried to keep everything in front of them for the most of the season, but then they kind of had a little bit of a switch about six weeks ago and they started playing a lot more man coverage, which has kind of exposed their lack of talent and they, they've kind of gotten beat a lot of times. Um, and so I think this is a great recipe for the Rams passing offense because, you know, who does who the Rams have on their passing offense? Two great man coverage beaters. Both Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua have been very efficient this season when taking on man coverage. Cooper Cup has a higher target share than Puka Nakua, but Puka Nakua has hit it for more big plays. Puka Nakua has more yards per route run against man coverage than Cooper Cup. So, you know, you've got a game environment where it's going to be projected to be the highest scoring game of the weekend in a great schematic matchup for Matthew Stafford and his top two receivers. You gotta love what you like about Stafford this week. And oh, by the way, it's a revenge game for him. Now, on the other side of this game, what the Rams like to do is the Rams like to load up the box and encourage teams to throw the ball. They kind of, by alignment, encourage teams to throw. Um, they, they don't necessarily, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They don't necessarily like 
sell out to stop the run, but they look like they're going to sell out to stop the run. And, and that encourages teams to check their play calls and pass more against them, which which makes a lot of sense, actually, because the Rams aren't that really all that good at defending either the run or the pass. They're just slightly above average in both of them. So I think that with, with how they line up and how they look to do things, I think you could see a lot of Amon Ross St. Brown in this game. The Rams love to disguise their coverages and roll between one high and two high safeties. And so, you know, what tends to happen if a quarterback gets confused, they go to their safety blanket. And in Jared Goff's case, that is Amon Ross St. Brown, where they run a lot of short and intermediate routes to him, where he's going to be open regardless of what covers the Rams are playing. And the two of them, two of those guys have really good chemistry to link up, even if the coverage gets disguised or confused. So um, on the other side, I really like playing Amon Ross St. Brown. And I think if you were to stack this game up, I think you could have something like Stafford with uh, Cup and Nakua and Amon Ross St. Brown, and then just go cheap at running back and tight end from there. Um, there's plenty of cheap receivers that you can backfill your lineup with because Detroit is going to be missing Khalif Raymond in this game. So you could get Josh Reynolds or Jamison Williams to fill in your lineup. Um, and then you, you've also got some Rams receivers that are cheap as well. Demarcus Robinson has been starting at the slot for the Rams, and he's a guy who's pretty cheap. He's, he's a guy you could um, definitely fill in as well. So um, that would be something that I would be looking to do as I start making my lineup for the Sunday slate. Now, one running back that I'm very intrigued with on the Sunday slate. Actually, let's go ahead and make it two running backs because it's kind of for the same reason, and it's their workload, that which has been massive, is Aaron Jones as well as Najee Harris. So Najee Harris, you know, we talked about this um, Pittsburgh-Buffalo game being in a blizzard. Well, that's going to make the Steelers want to run the ball more, which is crazy because they run the ball a lot already. They're basically trying to win games while hiding Mason Rudolph, if that makes sense. Like, they don't want Mason Rudolph to get exposed. And so in the last two games, Najee Harris has had 27 and 26 carries, and he's been pretty efficient with them. He scored 27.3 and 27.2 fantasy points in those two games. So Najee Harris is definitely a guy that I would consider in a game environment where we know they're going to be running the football. Buffalo is not the best run defense and Najee Harris has been getting fed. So I think a lot of things line up well for Najee Harris in this game. Aaron Jones is um, has been getting a bigger workload, but it's been for a slightly different reason. So when you look at Aaron Jones's history, the Packers tend to ramp him up in terms of workload near the end of the season because he had, had has had his share of injuries in his career, and they do not want to get him banged up at the start of the season. They want to make sure that he's at his best and, and that he is running well when the season comes to an end. What is notable about this also is that when the Packers normally start doing that this year, also coincided with A.J. Dillon happened to get injured, and now Aaron Jones is kind of the main player in the backfield. In each of the last three games, Aaron Jones has scored 17 or more fantasy points, and he has seen 20 or more carries in each of those three fantasy or each of those three games. So you're looking at a guy who, you know, as the workload is being ramped up, his total production is being ramped up as well. You know, it's win or go home. They're not going to be saving him or holding him back for anything now because if you lose, you go home and your season's over. So um, I definitely think it's going to be full go for Aaron Jones. I, I, if he gets his big workload against Dallas that I know he's capable of getting, then this could be a big Aaron Jones day. Dallas runs a lot of man coverage. Which is what what makes that interesting to me is you're going to be dependent on these young Green Bay receivers who are good by the way 
they're they're very good but you know you're going to be dependent on them to either beat their man in an effective amount of time before the Dallas pass rush gets there or you're going to be dependent on Jordan Love checking it down to his running back Aaron Jones and so to me this could be a big time receiving game for Aaron Jones I think they could scheme ways to get him open the ball in terms of like check downs and flat routes where all he has to do is make one man miss and then he could be off to the races so I think schematically this sets up very well for Aaron Jones and I think the workload sets up very well for Aaron Jones. All right, that does it for the Sunday slate, and that does it for NFL's super wildcard weekend. I know we didn't talk about the Monday game, but um, you know, there's not a whole lot of DFS contests that are going Saturday through Monday. I've seen a lot of Saturday through Sunday. If you're going Saturday through Monday, I don't cross off Baker Mayfield off your list because we've seen this Philly defense look very suspect against the pass in the last two months. And, you know, the Buccaneers, that they have a pretty concentrated target tree with Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I don't think it would be unreasonable to roster Baker Mayfield and play him as one of the cheaper quarterbacks on the slate if you're going um, Saturday through Monday. So that does it for whatever or everything we had here in this episode, y'all. Um, I am on my last legs in terms of being tired because of it just being a long week and, and my daughter not sleeping a whole lot and it being already past midnight over here on the East Coast. So I'm going to go ahead and roll on out of here. Hopefully was able to get you guys everything that you needed in terms of information to build some winning DFS lineups for this wildcard weekend slate. Whether you're playing Saturday only, Sunday only, Saturday, Sunday, Saturday through Monday, whatever. Hopefully I gave you guys all the information that you are going to need to build those lineups and win yourself some money this weekend. If you like what you heard on this audio episode, um, go ahead and subscribe to the audio feed. That way you can get notifications for the rest of our NFL episodes all the rest of the postseason. And while you're at it, go ahead and subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. Um, I would like to get my NFL content back on YouTube again. Um, it's just kind of a matter of being able to record and upload it and have time to do so. Um, but we do have all of our weekly golf and college basketball content over there on YouTube as well. So go ahead and hit that subscribe button. We are close to 400 subscribers, and I really want to get to that goal. All right, so that does it for this episode, y'all. Um, if you made it this far, best of luck to you this weekend. Enjoy the NFL playoffs. It is one of my favorite times of year, um, and it's just it's just great. And it, the NFL playoffs, the one thing they do that no other sport really has is the fact that a team's entire organization, their entire season, can change on one play, one snap, one mistake, one you know bounce of the ball. Like it, there's no other sport to me that provides that level of just tension of how everything can change in an instant. And I love it. And so I cannot wait to watch the NFL playoffs this weekend. Hopefully you feel the same way as well. Remember the Saturday night game is on Peacock. Um, so you know if you have any older relatives in in your life. Good luck explaining that to them, um, but make sure you go ahead and get the peacock ready to go for that Saturday night game. All right, so that does it for this episode. If you made it this far, thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next time.